All right, Chaz, welcome back to the second episode of today. This is pretty epic. We just went through a whole episode that got lost in the dead computer zone. Literally recorded an hour and 20 minutes. It was a good one, too. I thought so. I was feeling really strong about it. Man. So you want to go through the highlights? The highlight reel? Well, we, I, we, there's an opportunity for us. We could actually be better at our conversation the second time around. Okay, let's go. But, but we're not going to go an hour 20. We're going to go, this is going to be a truncated show. Okay. I feel so deflated. Don't feel deflated. Completely deflated. Let's Let's really just, so how we started our episode. Well, let's just recap what happened. We did an hour and 20 minutes. My computer battery died right at the end, our third barrel or not, nah, and I ran out to the car, grabbed the charger so that we could finish the episode, plugged it all in, rebooted the computer, and the entire file is lost. Gone. Is it on the cloud? Have you checked the cloud? No. It is not, it on, is the not on the cloud. Nope. It's nowhere. It is not on the cloud. It's okay. Huge tech error. Dude, I've never once lost an episode. I mean, that's that makes me happy, though, that this gets to be a grit episode that goes goes to the great cloud in the sky um so things that we discussed my costa rica trip our interview with elo laird hamilton on joe rogan it was all of it good yeah it was a great episode it's freaking the best episode we've ever had yep by far by far and away yeah uh so dave david lee scales went to costa rica he surfed in costa rica oh Okay, here's I'm gonna I'm going to um, recap what you said. You tell me if I'm doing it accurately. Okay, then yeah. You, then you I'll can play recap. jazz today. Yeah. You play. You can. So David Lee Scales went to Costa Rica to surf. Uh, he had head high waves the entire time, uh, realizing how much better he surfs in bigger waves than smaller waves. He used to Huntington hopping and trying to milk gutless little Southern California things out, but wow, there in Costa Rica. It was just head high and firing the whole time. He found himself, you know, could turn easier. Uh, he t- didn't have to work for speed. There's even some pictures that were taken. He never puts pictures of himself surfing anywhere, but those pictures now are on Instagram, and he feels pretty good about them. And the, re- the response has also been pretty good. Also, uh, David Lee Scales, getting older, realized, you know, my surfing ability has probably diminished from my peak of 23 to 25, I think is when your physical peak was. Uh, but now my ocean knowledge is greater. And so one day he was standing on the shore there. It was double overhead. David Lee Scales thought, ooh, I've already surfed a lot this morning. This is when injuries happen. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to get whacked out there. But thought, I can't pass up these double overhead waves. So paddled out. Didn't have to duck dive once getting out. The ocean knowledge trumped the physical ability as he watched other kids getting smashed on the inside. David Lee rode, I think it was 10, 10 very wonderful waves, came in satisfied and happy. Uh, Also about Costa Rica, it's a great place. There's waves everywhere um, and you can surf alone as long as you go to the non-major wave. Did I, did I, wow. did you're, I sum it up? You're a really good listener, and I hate myself. Really? Okay, okay, <laughs> good. Now do me. Now do me. Talk about Elo. What did I say about Elo? So Chaz um, felt like he used to play a persona, so to speak, of poking people in the eyes um, and talking crap and then getting a year to just talk crap about those people because they don't like to ever poke back. And now he has a adequate adversary a completely different adversary in elo 
and didn't really realize going into that interview until after the fact with the benefit of retrospect that that character is getting old and that character is tired and we have a new opportunity because Elo is such an adequate adversary. We have a new opportunity here to actually improve the quality of the content at the WSL. And so it'd be better to bend Elo's ear and partner and redirect the ship and not poke him in the eye immediately and leverage his powers and opportunity to um, improve the quality of the content at the WSL. So going into it, he had uh, kind of painted the picture to the public that he would be making fun of Elo for being a stand-up paddler, for being a Val, and then showed up in the interview really without the intention to do that, came out of the interview, published the episode, and the internet was like, hey, what the heck? You were supposed to poke him in the eye for being a stand-up paddler. And you had to reassess what your value proposition was. And you're like, nope. Turns out that's not what I'm doing anymore. I actually want to improve the quality of surfing. Fantastic. I hate myself too. I'm a real douche. We're both douches, dude. Yeah, man. I should not have posted those Instagrams. (laughs) I'm going to delete them right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And one note with that, where, again, where I want to improve the WSL is I want to bring surf history back to the surf. I want for the broadcast, I want them to give Matt Warshaw a lot of money and buy the encyclopedia surfing and have those kind of facts. I want them to buy the stinking surf network, Ira Opper's library of every surf film more or less ever. And I want them to play morning of the earth during lay days. And I want them to throw money at the surf, uh, heritage and culture center down here in San Clemente where they have Duke Kanamoku's surfboard. And I want them to WSL to put their money where their mouth is and actually support surf history. Why? Because I think that that's the, that's the closest thing in surf you can do. I think there's a lot of complaints about the WSL um, being greedy uh, or money grubbing or wanting to sell surfing, right? There was a lot of complaints about no dang way, Eric Logan in the comments, no dang way, Eric Logan, are you going to take this and package surfing and sell it back to me, right? You don't get to do that. You're not allowed to do that. Who made you the packager and seller of surfing? Uh, and I think there's a complete, complete validity to that argument. I think though, how the WSL can both be packaging and selling, but then also redirecting real genuine funds to the parts of surfing or the people in surfing that actually matter again, like Matt Warshaw, our opera shack. Those are three off the top of my head, but there's a lot more, right? Where if the WSL and there's such value there for the consumer, I think if again, if you could tune in to the webcast and, oh, it's a lay day. So we are, you know, doing a premiere of whatever, whatever, you know, historical surf film. I mean, obviously Morning of the Earth because it's Bali, but whatever, right? At every stop, I mean, at J-Bay during the lay days, they could screen the best, you know, best movies from J-Bay. The movies that made J-Bay what it is in our minds. Uh, and to me, that's... Not only is that valuable for the WCL, it's valuable for the consumer and it's valuable to the people who work tirelessly yeah. uh, for surf's history, right? Like Warshaw, Opper, and the Shack guys aren't, aren't making a dime extra, right? This is, I mean, it's such a passion project where WCL is in a position to actually give money back. And if they don't do that, this is also, I'm going to make an ultimatum. If they don't do that, I will go and fucking kick Eric Logan in both his knees so he can never <laughs> sup again. Um, number one, I don't think that you will do that. 
I mean, I'll poke him in the eye so hard that I'll never get invited back to do anything. I'm I'm raring to go to make fun. Like, that's easy. I can do that in my sleep. Um, I think what I like about your idea is that it actually invests in those core businesses that kind of we need, you know, and that have been doing all the hard yards for all these years for free, basically. Um, and I think that they will be good stewards of those resources and actually continue to do the hard yards. The other detail is it makes the WSL's job easier. Like that content already exists. All you got to do is repackage it. Little intro, bumper, outro bumper, and there it is. It is insane to me that the WSL doesn't do this. That the WSL has not, that wasn't like the first order of business was to go either license or lock up or partner with the custodians of surfing's history, right? And especially if you're going to put on your damn logo founded in 1976. A, that's utter bullshit. Uh, B, if you're going to make a historical claim, then put your money where your mouth is and go either partner with or buy or license the parts of surfing history that, you know, again, not so you can package it and sell it and partially that, but so where the money goes though is to people who actually need and deserve you know the money and the resources to to continue to do that work yeah i guess so one of the issues that the wsl has been facing is that um they we as surfers don't want to feel like somebody came in pilfered the sport to profit for their own profit right and that does partner them with the people who have been making those valid criticisms i guess and um so I think that it serves a lot of their goals. I mean, it's a to me, it's a win, 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 right? Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, better, yeah. better for the us too, the the kind of grumpy local surf fan to be able to watch epic little movies, to hear more about surf history from the broadcast than Martin Potter was the '89 world champion. Right? Would be, I would love to have you know interesting nuggets. Have have him kick to Warshaw. I know Warshaw doesn't like to do this kind of thing, but he could take enough. What does he take? Beta blockers? What are beta blockers? Is it like they block beta? Yeah. What is it? What is the beta doing? That that's wrong. I don't know. Matt has to Matt Warsh has to take beta blockers before he gets on the air. Right. I don't know what a beta blocker is. And but anyway, surf the surf ranch. Yep. Just it calms give, his nerves. Yeah. So give yeah. Matt back a dump truck of beta blocker up there and call into him every contest, right? Yeah. Or and have him be the okay. You know what historical tie to whatever you know. I don't know, Mikey Wright and whoever Mikey Wright's surfing against heat, like have a historical discussion about something that relates. You know, there's so much history that is the WSL again, happy to stamp 1976, but only thing ever uttered is 89 world champ. Right. Um, Based on our conversation with Elo, do you feel like Elo is well-equipped to succeed in his goals? Yeah, I think Elo wants to be a surfer more than he wants to be anything else. And that's the first time that I've ever seen, definitely the first time in the WSL. I don't think Dirk doesn't want to be a surfer. I think he surfs and whatever. Beth, backward fan, clearly didn't want to be a surfer. Uh, She, like, cared so little for it, which is why she was an easy target, right? Is Her almost disdain for surfing, to me, came out when she put her damn fins in backwards and then refused to address it. Like, okay, if you care that little about actually surfing, then good riddance. Sophie doesn't even pretend to care about surfing. She sees this only as a business, which is fine. Eric Logan, on the other hand, wants to be a surfer, I think, and wants to be accepted as a surfer more than anything else. And of course, he's an adult learner. He does not speak 
surf fluently and he never will, right? Like anytime you try to learn a foreign language as an adult, you, you'll never ever get to even near fluency. Um, but you can get to a point where you're understood and you understand. And I think as the grumpy local surf community has to, if they care, I, again, you and I previously had the discussion of there is the camp of, you know, all surf media is bad, all any kind of, you know, pushing surf out into the world, any iteration of the WSL is bad because it just means more people surf, more people surf, worse for me. So nobody should do anything. Great. Okay, fine. I understand those people exist. But for the other camp of this stuff does exist, how can we make it good? I think we can actually teach Eric how to speak surf, not fluently, but better. Um, And I think he's a willing student. I think he wants to learn. I think he's uh, you know, from like when he buddied me or whatever, like, hey, buddy, or just a minute. <laughs> hold, on a, hold, hold on a minute, minute buddy. buddy. Yeah, like he's got that kind of arrogant uncle or dad thing, like know-it-all thing. But I think that's only, that's pretty surface deep. Like both times now I've conversed with him, he really wants to learn. He wants to know, I think. I think um, it's been a wise, wise move to bring Pat O'Connell in, obviously, who can definitely tell him exactly what he needs to do to service that, uh, segment of the demographic. Devin Howard as well. Obviously, Dave Prodan has been there forever. So he doesn't necessarily need us. But the benefit of kind of uh, you more so than me even is the Beach Grit community in the message boards. It's like a direct tapping into the vein of that kind of grumpy local core surfer to get direct feedback from. And a lot of it you have to take with a grain of salt because like you said, there's a segment of that who is strictly a grumpy, grumpy local who doesn't want more surfers at their beach tomorrow than there were today or yesterday. They already feel like the lineup is too crowded. Um, the argument I made last time we recorded an hour ago <laughs> was those people are hypocrites. Like, honestly, I don't mind saying those people who say, I never want surfing to grow are freaking hypocrites because they are watching the WSL. The, the sheer virtue that they're chiming in indicates they're reading Beach Grit, they're listening to this podcast, so they're actually invested in surf media and its growth. So you can only make that argument validly if you're living on the fringe of a jungle, waiting for the reef to fire, living off the land, and surfing that soul surf lifestyle. You sincerely don't care about any surf media or any of that stuff, then fine, make that argument. Everybody else who's literally making the argument on the internet is a hypocrite. You know, you do, you actually do want surf media and you do presumably want it to be better quality. And so I feel like maybe you and I dropped the ball with the Elo interview for a number of different reasons, but I think the ball was, I, I think the ball was only dropped because I did a bad job of setting any kind of intention previous expectation yeah. for you to poke him in the eye. There was the people wanted you to just go in there and be like, "You're a stand-up paddler," which means you suck. Yeah, yeah, and that's the and that is that is the not only the expectation that I set that has been my mo entirely. Yes, you know from my from Mick Fanning through Ash and Goggins. That's what I do, right? And I'm bored of doing that. I was going to ask you: Are you losing the bloodlust a little bit? No, it's still funny for for a shot. Like I'll go kick any kind of shallow, one dimensional character, you know, uh, for a laugh for all of us. Again, uh, Elo is not a one dimensional character. There's more more happening there, and there's a bigger a bigger game to play here. 
um, where it would just be a waste. It'd be like playing a really silly game, like, I don't know, even metaphorically, like going out with Michael Jordan and, you know, instead of playing basketball, like going to blow up, blow up a mini golf or something stupid, right? Where Elo is a real character, I think, who's complex and funny. Uh, the fact that, again, the fact that he loves surfing as much as he, he, as he does, but is also successful, there's like stuff to play with here in the margins where there's not for Backward Finn Beth or, you know, Mick or Ashton Goggins, who are, I think, all fairly shallow. You know, it's an it's just an easy laugh. Like there's no, there's no depth. There's nothing to get out of engaging with any of those people for me. Did you view any of those people as adversaries and do you view elo as an adversary no i didn't i didn't and don't view any of those as adversaries elo i feel adversarial to definitely uh which wouldn't come across in the podcast it would sound like i'm just chummy and whatever but i think this is this is our moment right this is going to be core grumpy local up against the powers that be in santa monica for the first time a real heavyweight title bout right and what is the bout about the bout is about the i think the way surfing looks i think it really truly is about the future of not surfing but the future of surf you know of surf media or of professional surfing like what do we want what does the grumpy local community great we can gripe about everything but what do we actually want to see right and again my initial solution is I want to see surf history or I want a tie into surf history, right? I want resources to be going towards surf history, not because surf history is the end all and be all, right? It's just an important part of, again, what we care about as surfers. We care about the stories from our past, even when we don't want to, right? Uh, Like all surfers can sit around and, you know, jabber story about, whatever and the the wsl has none of that it doesn't exist and so that's step one i think for me but again i don't know what else how do you want it to look right how does the how does the commentator what do you don't i'm kind of tired of what's shit about it because we all know what's shit about it but how does that change right and i think again validly it's less heats and less surfers and you know there's some great ideas and if if i think eric it'll behoove him to come in and for those lines of communication between him and the beach grit commenter to be open. I think that's where he's going to get his best ideas for anything. Um, I like the idea, the historical bent. I, I like that. And I would watch that. I think that there, um, there's so many opportunities. Like I, I want to see more surfing next year than I saw this year. And I want to see it, I want to have it more accessible to me than it was this year. So if he can build out content, the shoulder content, so to speak, that is deep dives, documentary style pieces with these people um, that's available, like maybe it is on the down days. You know, if I'm anticipating logging on today at three o'clock and the event goes off, give me some programming to watch in lieu of the content. How, how deflating is it when you're, when you're even, when you're, even if you're not that invested, but when you actually care enough to log on and it says, you know, next call, all it is is a ticker next right. call one day, 40 exactly. minutes or whatever. Like, screw and you. they used to do the morning show or Dawn patrol is what they called it. Regardless of whether the event ran, they would do a 30 or 40 minute Dawn patrol. That became redundant because they didn't have enough content really to talk about day in and day out. They would just rehash heats because they're not relying on the history or whatever. But 
really if they invest in documentary type storytelling, cultural type storytelling about what's happening in Bali at the time. Like those are the things that I would actually be interested in watching. I think even beyond the commentators, if they had um, an ESPN style kind of news briefing sure. of the day's events, not only on the contest site, but on the surf world at large, similar to maybe what you and I are doing now, but a visual format that it's not the same faces that we see in the commentary booth, all that sort of stuff they could do. Obviously, they have to pick one thing at a time and kind of build. They can only grow and develop these things so fast. The other thing I recognize is the WSL doesn't have to be responsible for doing all of this. No. Like you and I can be doing it. You know, all these other, I think Stab is doing it a little bit with the um, the Red Bull no contest series that they do for each event. And it's entertaining and it's good and it gives you cultural context for where the event takes place. And they actually turn it around pretty quickly. It comes out within a week or two after the event closes. Um, so I think all of those things add a lot of value and that improves in contrast to the grumpy local who doesn't want surfing to grow, this is what I like. Yeah. I like having more surfing viewing available in a wider variety of platforms. It enriches my surf experience and my viewing of the WSL. Sure. I mean, even with the Red Bull no contest thing, it's great. But why don't they go film that damn thing beforehand, right? Why? I mean, the fact yeah, that it could. comes out a week later is Be- a real, real buzzkill. Like, it's a good point. And they could film it a week later because it's not dependent upon contest no, results. Totally. They're not really tracking who's winning. The no, event. that's what I don't know why it yeah. doesn't come out like on a lay day or something. Right. right. I mean, which WSL should have, yeah, should have content available on the lay days. And yeah, again, it, it ain't brain science. Like you pick what, you know, they do on TNT for basketball, right? Like having Charles Barkley and Shaq and whoever the other guys are, Kenny and whatever sitting there jabbering about it is fun. Yeah. Um, so do you feel Elo? So I guess the one thing that Elo has to always be factoring into all of these decisions is which one is profitable. Like if they don't have enough ad space or they don't have enough advertisers to fill out all that ad space, because a lot of the content we're talking about would just end up on the internet. So they have to fund it with ad revenue. Sure. Because it sounded like from your and my discussion with them, the direction that they're looking for ad revenue is doing licensing deals with television networks basically and none of the things that you and i are talking about would end up on those television networks but the, the television but the, networks would support the but that's, that is an absolute dying model i don't see I, that's what i, I don't I see where that. he's he's going with that i mean the like yeah so to me that seems like a he knows more about the tv business than me clearly but that seems like a stopgap solution that those revenues are only ever going to be shrinking year on year any kind of broadcast deals like people and Surfing, unless you're going to do every dang event in the wave pool, which I think you did well to tell him is unwatchable, more or less. I mean, that that's not why people like surfing. So if you're going to put only wave pool events on because they can be scheduled for TV, then, you know, that's stupid, too. Like, I mean, it's just not surfing doesn't work well with television. Yeah. Just flat out. Yeah. And so they just should just build the universe, build the universe. Yeah, all these. I, I'm, I'm realizing now he did not indicate that that's the direction that they were going is building the universe he wants he he said to me our first meeting it was something like the tour is the sun and what he wants to do is build all the planets that orbit around the sun that's exactly what he wants to do he wants to build surfing in like as a universe right like the marvel universe or whatever where it's all these pieces go together 
and they have a stake in all of it. The problem is they're not building anything like, or I don't see them building anything. And so what, and they shouldn't build, they should build, but they should also go acquire the stuff that's actually interesting and good. Right. That instantly with EOS, you got Warshaw's stuff and you know, his historical little clips and you got Opera's library at the surf network and you have something like Shack or some kind of history. Now all of a sudden you have this rich vein of history to mine to just you know make the current shallow product deeper um what i said in our lost episode as well is underwriting those things would be a small small expense for the wsl completely and compared it's kind of shocking it's shocking that they haven't done it yet again it's shocking that they didn't do that out of the gate that they didn't come out and say hey surf history is valuable it's a valuable asset it's valuable because of what it is and it's valuable, you know, even if we're not going to see a return on it, there's value in this is the way we can give back. The fact right. they haven't is is honestly shocking. Yeah, it is a little bit shocking. I um, wonder if Elo even knows what the EOS is. No, I mean, that's a funny thing. So the last question, the last question that I had that I was going to ask him, which I didn't because I knew that he, it was going to shame him, was what's Rabbit Bartholomew's real name? Uh, oh, we dude, we should have totally done that. All it would have done is put him on the spot and made him look like a kook, right? For there's no way he knows his name is Wayne Bartholomew. Yeah, but w- that would have been. I don't think shaming him wouldn't have. Um, it wouldn't have closed the door at it all. Wouldn't have closed the but door. What's yeah. the, but I already know. I already know he doesn't know. Like, so what's the point, right? He needs to to pander to the audience. Like the audience wants to po- sure. poke fun and laugh. Sure, sure. But but again. And that's my bad for setting the stage that this was going to be like anything else. That doesn't get us where we need to go. Like Eric, I think, knows that he doesn't. He needs to learn more that he doesn't know. Maybe it would have been valuable to ask him that there. He needs to really know that talking to Laird Hamilton about surfing and being buddies with Kelly Slater and Kai Lenny does not a, you know, surf knowledge make. Yeah. Like, I don't I honestly don't think he knows. Um yeah, he wouldn't know EOS. He probably doesn't know it exists, to be honest. Yeah. He probably doesn't know Shaq exists. He definitely, right. I'm sure, doesn't know the Surf Network exists. Like, all the kind of little stuff is probably just, you know, but yeah, it'd be great to sit down with him and, hey, here is here is kind of Surf 101 for you. Dude, it would have been a great, we should have totally closed out the episode with like a little questionnaire and then offering tutorial yeah. for him. Yeah. Like we will coach you up. Uh, that's what he needs that'd be funny yeah um speaking of laird hamilton did you watch him on or listen to him on the joe rogan podcast i did i listened to the first 20 25 minutes of laird Um, were you entertained no i was i mean i was vaguely entertained by laird as as you said in the lost episode laird's incoherent rambling i mean i guess it was coherent uh dude he he's nuts. He was, is he legitimately nuts? Yeah, David Lee wanted to know and wants to know: Is Laird Hamilton nuts? I feel that Laird Laird Hamilton, his uh, he's so untethered from a normal reality. He lives in rarefied air, right? He lives in Malibu with Gabby Reese, surrounded by famous people. He only hangs out with famous people. He goes and does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He does weird exercises. Laird has no. There's not one even thread connecting Laird to normal life. And so, yeah, so he sounds nuts, I think. And yeah, I think he's just probably drifts. He's drifting further and further away from reality every day. I think that's what it is. He's kind of crossed a boundary in that episode where I used to take seriously the things that he would say and actually give him credit for, even if he doesn't know the complete science, 
he knows enough and he's tested it enough in the real world to where I can take what he says and apply it to my life. I feel like he crossed a boundary with that episode where it was like, dude, this is pseudoscience and you're so genetically different than most human beings are and you're just living a different life and you've never actually worked like a nine to fiver or sat in a desk for very long or so it just it's not applicable to anything that i do or anybody else does and he was honestly gibber like a mile a minute yeah. forever about yeah. it like yeah. i mean i turned it off after 20 the one thing that really i've never wanted to chair uh to uh challenge either laird hamilton or joe rogan to anything but they talked about asana about having the sauna up to, I think it was 220, which was just, oh man, you're a real man. If you could sit in there for 15 minutes, I was saying, fuck both you guys. I, I really honestly want to have a sauna off with Laird and Joe. You think you could go more than 220? I go more than 220 for way longer. I don't believe you. A hundred percent. I got to find a stinking sauna and just go. Why talk. do you believe that you can do that? I mean, because I've been to switzerland and sat in a sauna and i've spent half my life in the middle east just sitting in unair conditioned cars for all day every day i like the heat i'm a but those cars are not 220 the difference between 120 and 220 is significant sure but inside the car is probably i'm gonna say is probably a good 140 unair conditioned chasm driving driving from dubai to sanaa yemen across the entire arabian peninsula yeah but all day without a rest and there's no nighttime getting out either like you're the night is 122 like i i think the difference between 210 and 220 is probably a huge chasm i'm 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 officially challenging you laird hamilton to a sauna off i would love to see any sauna anytime i would love to see this yeah let's set it up i i don't i can we you need to sign a waiver, sign your life away, I'll because sign, there's no way you could survive that. I'll be, I'll be happy in there. I'd be smoking cigarettes in the 220-degree <laughs> sauna. Um, when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
So, another question I have for you. Laird Hamilton has been this periphery figure in the surf world. I mean, he's actually been integral to the surf world, but exists on the periphery of the industry. Like, ever since I was a kid, he's had cover shots, he's in magazines, but he's never been supported by a surf industry brand. Yep, Oxbow. Other than Oxbow, which but Oxbow's not a is, is kind of fringe. <laughs> Do they still exist? I think so. Are they from France? France, yeah. yeah. I think they make, like, uh, sailboats and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So... But all the while, Laird has always had some sort of business venture that was kind of tangentially related to surfing that I was kind of aware of, kind of wasn't. Never have seen one of his products available to purchase personally. And yet he remains kind of one of the three most recognizable names in surfing. Yeah. So my question is to you, has Laird ever had a successful product line of any kind? I think Laird literally crushes it. Crushes it on, I don't know how, how his apparel does. I'm sure that crushes it too. But I think the Laird Hamilton stand-up paddleboard is literally the most popular board in the entire world. I think he's made millions and millions on his stand-up paddleboards. Why? Millions. Why do you think that? I think, I mean, they're just Have everywhere. Have ever seen one? At hotels and stuff. Like, really? Yeah, the people who, people who don't surf buy Laird stand-up paddle stuff like i've had neighbors who have never served a day in their life and have a layered stand-up paddleboard uh, hotels around the world any hotel on a body of water has a layered stand-up paddleboard quiver right like, i didn't even know that the layered stand-up paddle existed yeah like i layered. didn't know there was a line of layered stand up says layered big layered yeah he's i think he does a surf tech model He's, I'm sure he's. Cr- I bet Laird Hamilton makes more with his stand-ups than most mid-range surf apparel brands do. All in. I bet he's. I bet he's doing more than Visla. Does he? Uh, has he trademarked the name Laird for all things surfing? I think so. Because it'd be wise for some Chinese manufacturer just to like use the name Laird. Laird. Yeah, I think he has. It, it's associated. With I think him. he has it copyrighted for surfing. I think he has his name and likeness cop- copyrighted across the food stuff too, right? Where And also, so he's crushing it on his paddleboards financially. Curse him to hell. Uh, I see also, I don't know how it's doing, but I see his damn creamer at on the end cap at Whole Foods. Uh, and so, you know, prime placement, like prime, prime real estate, which means it must be crushing it at Whole Foods and stuff too, I would imagine. But it's a newer it. product line. Like I could see they're doing a huge push for the first year or two of that. Who yep. knows what, that's kind of my point is, from my childhood, I would see one thing for a year and then nothing for two years. And then there'd be another thing down the road and then nothing again. I think Laird absolutely crushes it for okay. people that... Wear Tommy Bahamas. Pre- precisely. Okay. Like for the people who listen to Jimmy Buffett, wear Tommy Bahamas. Like the vast, vast, vast majority of people. Like I think for better or worse, you and I exist in a tiny bubble and then have taken that bubble and made it smaller. Laird, Laird exists for the everyman. I mean, Laird is selling to everyone. Yeah. Every white person in the entire United States of America probably has a Laird product who's not yeah. us. That's crazy to me. It's- so that justifies his lifestyle and it, it actually makes everything kind of snap into place for me because I never understood how he lives the life that he lives. I'm sure his cookbook crushed it, you know, right. like all his... Laird Hamilton is basically a late night uh, infomercial pitch man right yeah and you look you look at that late night infomercial stuff and you think who in the world would buy this millions upon millions of grandmas are buying it is who's buying it uh he is the perfect archetype for 
what he's doing. Completely. He's like muscle bound, blonde haired, blue blonde. eyed, yep. like just like Poseidon, just paddling across the ocean. He's, he's like he's perfection for what he is. I mean, as yeah. a, he's like a I would perfect name. Laird Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing. And I just think if you had some crap product, not a crap product, say you wanted to sell thermoses or whatever, and you're a company, like Laird Hamilton would be the first person I would go to. Yeah. Like that guy moves product, I have no doubt, through middle America, like it's going out of style. And just having the name Laird on your thermos, it lays out nicely. Totally. Laird, Laird. looks good. And you could always add some goofy little gimmick, right? Like Laird, that the part I watched the Joe Rogan was so filled with soft science. I mean, it was plausible, but like probably half of it was totally unprovable. It's just layered putting different pieces together. And so you can make a thermos that keeps your beverage at exactly 55 degrees because science has proven that 55 is the perfect temp- temperature for your body to metabolize stuff, right? Like there's all kinds of crap yeah. little science that layered could throw on any existing product and crush it where people be like oh yeah so it's obviously my body needs to metabolize at 55 degrees buy it all yeah did i ever tell you um i have a, this theory that like if you want to be an iconic figure in surfing you have to have a very singular unique name yeah and there's no way to achieve that mythical status without it and then secondarily nobody can ever come along and dethrone you so kelly obviously is a unique name for males rabbit unique name um laird obviously kai yep you know so like if you're a huge fan of surfing and you birth a child and you're going to run him through the nssa system do not name him kelly because there's no chance he can ever become a world champ no nope. because we already have an 11-time world champ named kelly uh dora who is the who is the Mickey. most popular surfer ever with the most boring name or with the least kind of captivating name rob Rob Machado? Maybe. So he relies on the Machado. Yeah. He's got Machado going for him. Um, what about... Who else? Who's a really... That's the thing. Is there, uh, Again, it, you need it. Like, it's part of your branding. Of course. Even, you, like, Jack Freestone. Fantastic name, right? Strong. It's a great name. Jack Could be Freestone. a porn star's name. Completely. He um, looks like a porn star. Sonny. Garcia. Yeah. Senna. Sonny stands alone. Yep. You know? It, it, like, the fact that it's Sonny... T- Senan, I think, is his middle name, right? It's Vincent Senan Garcia. I oh, think I is his know. name. Yeah. And the Sonny is Yeah, it's a, I mean that's a great name too, though. Vincent Senan yeah. Garcia. So Mark Richards is pretty bland. That's pretty boring. You're exactly right. And Mark Richards, look at he never went anywhere. Got tapped out on four world titles. Done. Served him well for a while there, but he really got dethroned. And the MR brand was never a strong brand. Like, I mean the surfboards look good, right? The the Superman, Superman logo, logo looked good, yeah. but you never see MR shirts anywhere. Or very rarely. He was really limited by his boring, boring name. name. Yep. Uh, what about um, oh uh, Thompson? Michael Thompson's pretty boring. Sean Thompson. Sean Thompson's boring. boring too. Yeah, they that was their downfall. Yeah, they would have been huge megastars had they been named Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Leslie doesn't lay out on the on the thermos as well either, though. That's really good. Leslie Thompson. The, the most um, successful of the Thompson kids. <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> it's really funny. It was worth redoing the episode just to get Leslie Thompson. Yeah, that was an original. Wasn't it? Our uh, last one. <laughs> um, 
All right, well, layered on Rogan, um, I'm really disappointed. So one thing I mentioned to you, though, there's a much, much better version of an interview with Laird from a few months ago with an interview guy named um, Graham Benzinger. And I will publish those interviews on the website with this episode. But he does hour-long interviews and then cuts them into eight-minute segments. He did one with Kelly Slater as well a year ago. And Graham does a good job of kind of getting into like real heartfelt, sentimental topics. Talks about Laird uh, being married, having a newborn with the with his wife and then going and shooting a television show with gabby reese who he gets introduced to on set laird showed up thinking like oh they're just gonna pair me with some dumb blonde bimbo gets to talking to gabby and is like completely swept away by her like she's smart she's intelligent she's really like dynamic and within a week ends up leaving his wife and newborn baby in Hawaii to move in with Gabby in California. That's really rough. That is very rough. What is the, okay, where are you on the, you made your bed, you better lie in it, the whole thing. Like does, okay, so if you're dating a girl or married to a girl, I think, and you meet somebody else, right? Uh, and there's no children involved. I think it's a bummer. It's callous, cruel, but fair game, right? Um, I mean, beyond beyond just like hooking up or whatever. I'm talking about like if you, if, if you're, you're married to the woman. If you're say you're married to a woman and you go somewhere and are absolutely swept off your feet, like you just. So I mean, what do you what do you do? What's the what's the moral there's play a, there? There's a couple of caveats. Firstly, I am a firm believer that if you made your bed, you lie in it, and you're married, and that's your commitment to life, and you stick by it. Because let's be real. No matter how much you love and are compatible with a person, if you're going to spend 50 years with them, there's going to be moments in that 50 years where you want out of the situation. So if you leave the door open for taking that out, you're going to take it sure. when the opportunity arises. And I think that the a lot of the benefit um, from the relationship comes from digging in and going through the hard yards. And the, the f- kind of benefit at the 50-year mark is reserved for the few who do the hard yards. And I would like to know what that benefit is. So if you're going to subvert that at any point, you're only going to shoot yourself in the foot. Now, the caveat is, where was your marriage at when you um, met the person who's going to sweep you off your feet? So if it was doomed and you kind of knew it was doomed and you knew that you shouldn't have married this person in the first place and you're regretting all of those decisions, then that kind of makes it different. Okay. But... Having a kid, having a kid, let's compounds throw a kid. it. Let's throw a kid in the mix. I think it's let's a bad a, move. It's a really, really bad move on Laird's part. Let's throw a newborn, a newborn baby. You cannot leave your woman with a newborn baby, and you can't leave your newborn baby. I mean, that's what Period. I think. Like more, Period. like leave the woman or whatever. That's a huge bummer too. Yeah, but leaving your child, yeah, is really, really bad move. Callous to a level. That's why I'm gonna. <laughs> So I'm gonna smash him in the sauna off. I'm gonna do it for <laughs> do it for newborn babies whose dads just left them everywhere. So the way that Laird engages in that interview and answers that question is kind of under the guise of it's all worked out fine in the end. Like, look, Gabby's my soulmate. I've still been there for my children. Like, nobody's got animosity about this. My ex-wife kind of she's doing better now. Like, it's all fine. So these things are easy to reflect on in hindsight. When you're in the moment, it's very difficult to justify that decision. And I also think that Laird seemed to imply that he was embarrassed by having even made that decision. He seemed to be kind of saying it with a little bit of cringiness. Like, I hope so. I hope you're not like, yeah, yeah, wife had a baby. 
Then I met Gab. Yeah. Boom. He said that he had chaos in his life and he wasn't really living like his kind of, he wasn't actualized at the time. He was. He wasn't Laird Hamilton yet. He was the Laird that we saw in. Point Break. Or. Or, um, Yeah. North Shore. North Shore. You know. Lance Burkhart Laird. Yeah, exactly. Dirty. So what I liked about that though is showcasing like he is human. Like he is subject to his childhood trauma and the chaos of his childhood is rearing its ugly head in his life and the way that he treats partners and all that. Like I liked that humanity about it For in sure. that interview. And um, being able to cop to it too. I mean, getting uh, called out on it and yeah. then copping to it and then showing that you've actually grown from it and that the people that, you know, like all of that was really, really interesting to me. And the Rogan interview did zero of that. Oh my goodness. Well, funny that you, I mean, even the the coherent incoherent ish rambling, just the not breathless rambling that that um, Laird was doing there. Uh, I read he has a new book out called I don't know Life Walk. I can't even I don't even know what it's called. It's like Laird sitting uh, Indian style. Is Indian style appropriate to stay, say? No. no. What are you supposed to say? Cross legged. Crisscross applesauce Criss- is what they use in schools. Okay. Nowadays. Okay. Laird sitting crisscross applesauce uh, on the cover, and then I read some of the reviews just from people. And there was all like two one-star reviews of just like, this thing doesn't make any sense. It's just rambling. Shocking. Uh, yeah. So I wonder if Laird has entered his rambling phase. He has. Like, he absolutely has. Where it's just, he'll just ramble now. And people, there's not enough probably uh, bumpers to keep him in line. And so if he wants to ramble, his editor's not going to say, well, Laird, this book is a little rambling. They're like, great. Let's print what, what Laird said. He's awe-inspiring. Like it's, they're... The reason why there's no bumpers is he's awe-inspiring. Like, look at the physicality of the guy and the workouts he does and all that. And he speaks with just enough authority that you kind of get lured. You take the bait. For sure. So I think, like, he hangs out with these celebrity types who want – they aspire to his level of fitness and athleticism. So they just take it as whole cloth or whole truth. You're exactly right, though, that Laird is – is such an outstanding, unique physical specimen. So what works for Laird likely works for nobody else on earth. But all of those people, those celebrity types, have also not been told no, and they don't realize that they aren't genetically as gifted as he is. And so they hear what he's saying, they're just like, Me too. I want to be a badass too. Yeah, yeah I can do that. Yep. I can stay underwater for three minutes and lift weights under, you know, or whatever. I'm going to knock him down a real peg when I smash him in the sauna. While you're smoking a cigarette. Exactly. Laird's, <laughs> Laird's really going to come down to earth just a little bit. He's going to realize. Dude, you'll be able to light the cigarette just in the air. It'll, I'll just you hold know? it there. It'll be perfect. I really honestly can't wait for this. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to train for this. That's how much I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to go in. Bold move. Just straight off the street. Bold move. I'm going to take bets on I'll, four. I'm going to side with Laird on this one. Really? Okay. I'm going to bet against you. Do you have any, do you know anybody who has a line to Laird? We could do it for charity. We could sauna figure out off a line for charity. Yeah. For sure. We yeah. should sauna off for charity. Yeah. Okay. Is he comfortable in those high of temperatures because he is the devil incarnate? Bringing, infusing stand-up paddling to our world, the foil board to our world. Mm-hmm. Again, they're reserved for him because he's in such rarefied air. The rest of the world. It's cursed. Drinks the medicine. Drinks the creamer. Plagues us. They drink the turmeric creamer plagues us with this thing is he um riding in he is the horseman of the apocalypse i mean for, for sure and that's why he's sitting in a sauna yep and it's that's a metaphor and that's why he also has to take ice ice baths just to keep his core temperature like human level otherwise he'll sprout horns yeah 
He's built like the devil. I mean, when I've seen imagery of the devil in movies, it's Laird Hamilton. They are muscular and Handsome. alluring. Yeah, and they're all charisma. Yep, that's the whole point of the devil. Laird, Laird's the devil. Beelzebub. Yeah. <laughs> Beelzebub Hamilton. That's going to be on your next thermos. Oh Beelzebub Hamilton is epic. Oh, that's even better than Leslie Thompson. Dude, and we're all drinking it. Yeah. Man. Sucking it down. This is profound. Sucking down the juice. Profound. Sucking down Laird's turmeric juice. <laughs> um. Joe Rogan needs to tighten up his interview skills, dude. Oh man, he's all over the place. Or he just he, like yeah, I'm. That's what I was fascinated while listening was thinking, who in the world is listening to? Who cares? Like honestly, I heard 20 minutes about breathing through your nose, nose yeah. breathing, yeah. breathe through your nose, increases the oxygen in your body, or decreases increases your carbon dioxide. Blah blah. blah. It's just nonstop, and I'm thinking. So people like truckers are driving across America right now listening to Laird Hamilton talk about fitness and they're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah. For two hours. Did you at all, were you inspired to, uh, absolutely not <laughs> increase your fitness? Level? Absolutely not. Really? I was, I was inspired to, to go pour another vodka soda. Yeah. No, I fitness and fitness trend to me. It's such a trendy thing. Fitness, right? I mean, whatever the trend is now is just, not going to be the trend tomorrow. So whatever Laird's selling now, somebody else is going to be selling something different. So as long kind of as I'm surfing or getting my heart rate up semi once a day. and Do you though? Hell no. Okay. But, but like I know, I know what I'm supposed to do and it's not trendy stuff. And that's whatever Laird's selling is not going to help me. It won't right. save me. Right. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into barrel or not. Okay. Let's wrap this up. Um, how, how long do we go around to? So round two, we're at 47 minutes. That's a good effort. I know. We literally turned on the mics the second time. We're like, let's give it 10 minutes. Yeah. It's a solid effort. Um, Turns out we like to hear ourselves talk. Ah, who knew? Um, All right. Barrel or not? Surfing with a partner. I'm I'm barrel on surfing with a partner. I... Have you ever surfed with a partner? Yes. And we're talking romantic. Yeah, yeah. My wife, Cersei Wallace, is a ripping surfer. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I thoroughly enjoy heading down to the beach, paddling out with her. We'll have fun conversations in the water. You know, it's just, it's totally enjoyable. Was that part of your attraction to her when you met? No, I've never, uh, been like had partner surf as a criteria for something I wanted or cared about is like all the same to me, right? Like I'm going to go surfing no matter what. And so, you know, whatever. And I've never had a partner who surfed until Cersei. Who would win in a heat between you and Cersei? I think Cersei. I think if it was, she's a goof, uh, but she's got a good, yeah, I mean, she's a dang pro athlete. So she's got like a real natural style that I will never have being not a professional athlete. So Beryl. Beryl. And you're looking for a partner right now. I am definitely looking for a partner in life. On your uh, dating apps, will you... Give an extra click or swipe or whatever you do, whatever you kids do these days for, swipe, a, right? for, for a surfer. Like if you see that she surfs or she's holding a board in her profile picture and looking looking semi, semi legible. Um, my swiping right, which is, yes, I like the person, is more to do with um, attraction. Her holding a surfboard probably doesn't increase my attraction that much. Um I I guess it, 
if I see a girl in the water, it does add to the attraction. Like I'm always like, oh, that's she's cute. Even if I wouldn't say she was cute on land, she just looks cuter in the water. But I'm not looking for among all of the criteria that I have in a partner, surfing is not one of them. What have you ever been with somebody who who really despised surfing? Like no. they just thought it was your thing and that's fine. Yeah. They liked it for you. Yeah. They would go to the beach and hang out if they felt like going to the beach. I mean, I was married for five years yep. and she never went to the beach. Probably a reason why it only lasted five years. Never went to the beach. Always like admired surfing and like appreciated the fact that I surfed, but ha- like didn't care about the beach and all that sort of stuff. The funny had, her, had her own kind of um, interests and life completely. The, 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 the real disconnect between liking the beach and liking surfing, I think saves surfing in a lot of ways uh in terms of you could like the beach and like surfing or you can like surfing and hate the beach or you can like the beach and hate surfing right there's like it's not necessarily that if you surf you also like the beach right which no i've known a lot of surfers who hate the beach yeah. which is always because uh, i like both but it's a funny part about surf is that you can loathe the beach and it still funny. surf yeah just show up surf and bail yeah try not to get sand in the car exactly yeah yeah, yeah. all right uh barrel or non number two Using Facebook. This is in relation to the article op-ed piece uh, in the New York Times last Friday from one of the co-founders of Facebook, who's no longer with the company, but is advocating for the government's deregulate or like breaking up the monopoly that is Facebook. I think it can't be broken up sooner. I loathe Facebook. And I'm not a delete your Facebook account kind of thing. I mean, I, I have an account. I only use it to post beach grit stuff i don't put any personal information on there or anything at all um the people who delete their accounts out of rage like good on them i guess uh but i yeah i think that it's just silly it's it's truly if you believe in free market capitalism which i think we do uh you can't have monopolies right it goes against the entire working thing and facebook is very clearly uh, facebook and google both to, to be frank are are monopolies but you still use Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. I do, but I loathe. I like, it's funny to use Instagram. I like Instagram's kind of feed stuff, but I hate the, hate the way they arbitrarily delete photos. I hate that. That's what I hate about Facebook too, is this faux kind of morality that goes along with it. Like Zuckerberg's, hey, we're going to make the world better. You know, we're going to bring the world together. Like screw all of that. Well, don't have no morality. Just make a, make a product that's good. If there's something, you know, have your offensive things be very clearly dictated like we're not going to show any killing babies or you know anything on instagram fine that's great but they're kind of arbitrarily swinging back and forth uh, between like hey we just want to make you know a comfortable environment or whatever don't dictate what what's a comfortable environment i hate that i hate the oh the uh sort of watering down and this pan you know safe space that we all kind of now live in which is just stupid there's no heart to it there's no soul there's just it's just bland they they have to take a moral stance like they've essentially created an environment that we all live in i mean i think zuckerberg likes to talk about it as a tool it's far long ago exceeded its tool usefulness which was just connecting me with people around the world who i know and i want to see it's no longer a tool it's now an environment it's a city that we all live in and cities need to have rules and regulations um and so they have to have some they have to take a moral stance and not 
you know, let people stream genocides or sure. murders or whatever, that sort of thing. Um, but the fact, what, what's been interesting is as soon as we all kind of aren't into Facebook anymore, obviously they buy Instagram because now we're all in it. So then they're always one step, then they buy WhatsApp, like an encrypted messaging platform. They realize Facebook Messenger isn't the best messenger platform. So then they do the WhatsApp thing and they're kind of one step ahead of wherever you and I are going and putting our data. They're one step ahead of garnering it. And you're even saying, I don't like Facebook, but using Instagram sure. all the time, all that matters is that you're spending time on Instagram to them. Of course. And you're you, you're giving that to them, you know? Break it all up. Break I, it up I agree. Today. I agree. Yeah. They've already misstepped by, the regulators have misstepped by allowing those acquisitions to even happen. Completely. So I don't know how you back into it now. I mean, you just break it up. You break it up like they broke up Standard Oil, right? Like Standard Oil didn't want to be broken up, but you just trust bust. Like, yeah. just, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you break it up and sell the parts. That's all you got to do. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. You heard yeah. it here first. Yeah. I'm I'm almost inclined just to abandon it all. You know, like what did, what would that look like to just like not use Instagram ever? I think my life would look better. Oh yeah, totally. I don't think you'd miss it. I think yeah. you would not like every once in a while or not every once in a while, like usually I'll have a dumb game on my phone, right? That I'll play like whatever, those ball breaker game, oh, ball breaker, it's not called that, but <laughs> whatever, the candy crush, th that kind of whatever game is sort of trendy, like a brainless game for when I'm if I'm sitting riding and I can't think of something, you know, I'll just mindlessly play the game for a minute. Uh, I deleted all of those uh, before starting this last book, which I started in October, I think, and haven't touched one since. And not only did I not miss them, like, you know, when I run out of or when I'm need an idea or whatever, I just I'll stand up and go for a walk or whatever now, right? Like it's made my life appreciably better not yeah. playing stupid pointless video games on my phone. Yeah. Uh interesting. There's a lot more to discuss in that, but we'll save it for a future show. Um Barrel or Nah, final Barrel or Nah, number three. Ice baths. I'm I'm gonna say nah. I think it's a full on trend that I'm all for I'm barrel uh, if you're in Switzerland or Austria or Norway and you're in that, you know, beautiful outdoor sauna at 225 degrees and then you'd go jump into an ice or like an icy lake or river or whatever, like they all Snow do. Bank. Yeah, that's awesome. But the dang ice bath thing, unless you're a professional athlete uh, who needs to, whose joints are all swelling up after each game, then why do you need a stinking ice bath? Have you ever done it? Uh, no. Um, it's, if you're a, if you're a pro athlete like my stepdaughter, epic soccer player, and she'll do ice, ice baths after a hard game because it you know it whatever all the benefits. I I totally understand all the benefits of ice baths. I think for your average dude who's going on a jog and then comes home and sits in a in an ice bath, what the hell? That's true for your average dude. I, so I want to disregard it because of the Laird Hamilton Association. It's the same reason I don't like Journey. Yeah, as a band is because anytime a Journey song comes on, every woman in the restaurant or bar, or wherever you're at, pulls out a lighter yep. and starts singing every lyric. And it's like, yeah, I know the lyrics too. Yeah. The fact that you all love it makes me want to hate it, sort of a thing. Um, Just a small town girl. Yeah. Living it's in the a, worst. It's dude. the worst. It is the worst. Yeah, people love it. Yeah. Th that's... So I probably would like it if everybody else didn't love it. Yeah. But I I just think ice baths offer nothing to your average no, guy. So I that's where I'm gonna disagree oh, you're, with. You're doing ice baths. I I've done an ice bath, but I for a while, maybe a year or so, I was doing cold showers. Sure. Which to be honest, 
isn't the same. Like an ice bath is a much more effective, but it had a little bit of the same effect, which was if you do a cold shower in the morning, it snaps your all of your cells in your body into focus in a way that is better than coffee, better than a morning run, better than anything. And I think honestly, it's kind of the benefit that we get out of the ocean a lot of times. Even if you're wearing a wetsuit, you still get zapped by that, you know? And it it turns everything on. It just, that's the best way to put it. And so I love that about it. There's additional physiological benefit, like uh, reducing of inflammation and stress and all those sort of things as well. I never did it for those reasons. I did it strictly for kind of the mental turning on. And uh, I'm a big advocate. The weird thing about it was it never, ever got easier. Yeah, you're always cold. <laughs> Dude, every time you're staring at that cold shower, it's on the <sighs> one. You do it 100 days. On the 100th one day, you're looking at it, and it's just as hard as day one was. Yep. It's weird. Cold, cold. I've noticed, is, is I mean, it's probably an old man thing to say, but it gets worse. I used to not care about being cold now, or getting cold now. Like the thought of going into a cold ocean I used to just jump right in. Like, yeah. who cares? When you're a kid, you would go in no wetsuit, sure. middle of winter. Because cold is always something that wears off, you know? I mean, or doesn't or whatever, but it's still a feeling that you can, it's not killing you. You can right. fight, fight through it mentally. Now it's like the burden of like thinking, it's a mental of, burden. thinking you're getting cold. Yeah. It's like, ugh. So, okay. So that's the other detail that I remember from doing that was that flight, fight or flight instinct is what kicks in. And it doesn't matter if you stay in there for one minute or 20 minutes. That's not the point. The point is to get past the fight or flight instinct and make that decision to stay. And once you get there, it actually isn't cold anymore, Yeah. regardless of the temperature, whether it's ice or just a cold shower. And that mental win is all that you're really fighting for. Because once you have that mental win, you actually get out of the shower and everything else you do that day is easy. I'm going to start taking cold showers. You should do it. I mean, honestly, it's trippy. How much it it's like the smallest, easiest thing you could do in the day that has the longest lasting effect. Okay, I'm gonna report back okay. on, our, on our next show. I'll do I'll start taking cold showers from here okay. to then. Okay. And you can I probably shouldn't give you this out, but you can finish with a warm hit. Oh no. I'm gonna go cold. Okay. Going cold, cold in, cold out. Cold until you hit the fight or flight and you just mentally accept your fate and you do it. You're happy there. What else is weird is that your body generates heat. So you get out of the shower and you're hotter than if you would have taken a warm shower. Lots of times you'll get out of a warm shower and you'll be cold. Chilly. You ever notice like you'll surf in a winter morning, you're freezing to put your wetsuit on. And by the time you get out of the water, you could actually peel it down to your waist and walk back to your car and you're emanating heat. I mean, completely. Stand stand outside forever in the frosty air, just, yeah, half naked. Yeah. And it's because your body kicks into a heater mode. I like how this show turned into the Laird Hamilton, Joe Rogan show at the end. Dude, freaking Lucifer. We yeah. drank the medicine. <laughs> we drank the poison. That's how the devil does it. He tricks you. It looks it good. It really does. It looks good. Man, I'm going to hit the Bible after this just to like figure out his playbook. Yeah. So that I don't get lured in I mean, to the dark side. It's really hard. You got to stay strong. You, got, you, can't, be, you can't be swayed by his, his beauty. And really. His charisma. I mean, the, the devil was... Uh, Lucifer was the most beautiful angel. He's a fallen angel. Yep, but the most beautiful. Yeah. Laird Hamilton. Yeah, Laird. Stinking Laird. How many minutes do we go? Round one two? hour. Wow. One hour and one minute. We hit the finish line. I'm really proud of us. Thanks to Shaq for all the support always. And they're going to get support now. Yeah, get the from WSL. the WSL. Yep. You're welcome, Shaq. All right, Chaz, where can people find you and all of your work? Beachgrit.com. And also Cocaine and Surfing, a love story, which is... 
for sale at Amazon and Welcome to Paradise Now Go to Hell. Somebody, somebody emailed me with like two or three questions from recent episodes. And the third question was, what's with all the cocaine references? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and then I linked to your Amazon <laughs> listing. I was like, here, buy the book here. This is what it's all about. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. At Surf Splendor Pod or at Surf Splendor on Instagram and then surfsplendorpodcast.com. I'll post everything we discussed in this episode, including those Laird Hamilton interviews with Graham Benzinger. Really worth watching. All right, Chaz, until next time. Get barreled.